Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstamper, and today marks the beginning of a new series we're calling Break the Dawn. It's a continuation of the Valley of Shadows series, so you may want to listen to those episodes as a refresher. We're talking about the book of John, which is a biography of Jesus' life written by one of his closest disciples and friends, whose name was John. Today I'm going to be leading us through John chapter 14, and I'll include a link in the episode description to that chapter if you want to read along. But if you're driving, then I'd say forego reading it right now and just listen along. Before we get started, though, I want to mention a couple of things that are coming up pretty quickly. Um, The first is that the women of our church are getting together to study the biblical book of Daniel on Sunday, February 12th at 3 o'clock. Women of all ages are welcome and childcare will be provided for. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, then email us at office at ocalagrace.org to let us know that you want to go. And we'll get you more information about that. Second, we're launching a membership class, which is also starting on February 12th. Now, a membership class could sound pretty intimidating, but the goal of that time is to talk about who Grace Church is, what makes us unique as a church, and what we feel God is calling us to do and how we plan to do it. It's a great way to learn more about us and to decide if you want to partner with us in life and ministry. Now, as we begin, let me explain that we really value children at Grace Church, and we make sure to include them in each of our worship gatherings. Before they go to Kid Nation, which is what we call our children's ministry, the preacher will give them a bite-sized taste of what the adults are going to be talking about in the worship gathering. Today, I'm going to let you listen in on that portion of our gathering because I used that opening illustration throughout my presentation of the sermon. Now, let me set the scene for you. I had set up a makeshift balance beam, and I was walking along and helping the kids to walk along it. So let's listen in as I paused one child in the middle of the balance beam and gave them some challenging news. I'm going to let you go. (laughs) No. You don't want me to let you go? You don't think you can stand here by yourself? Okay, let's close your eyes again. Oh, Grant. Close your eyes again. Okay, listen, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to keep your eyes closed, but I'm going to bring somebody else who's going to help you, okay? Close your eyes. You've got to keep your eyes closed for this to work, okay? You ready? You ready? I'm going to let you go, but somebody else is going to help you, okay? Somebody else is going to help you finish. You ready? Here we go. All right, now finish your job. All right, come here. Come here, 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 come here. So what, what was your reaction when I told you I was going to let you go? Were you really excited about that? No. No? Were you scared? Did you think that I was going to let you fall? But I, just, I had just led Ian across the beam. You knew I could walk him over there, but you didn't think I was going to do it, did you? No. Did you trust me when I said I was going to get somebody else to help you? No. Why not? Because your eyes were closed, you couldn't see anybody else, right? Well, this is exactly what Jesus does today with his disciples. He says, look, I'm leaving. And they start freaking out. They're super scared. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is how Jesus sends somebody to help them even when we're scared. And what we're going to learn is that we can trust Jesus. Can you guys say this with me? We can trust Jesus. We can can trust trust Jesus Jesus. even when it's scary. Even when it's scary. scary. All right. We can trust Jesus even when it's scary. All right, and you guys in Kid Nation back with Pastor Ryan are going to learn about how awesome Jesus is. So why don't you guys walk, walking feet over to Pastor Ryan. He's going to lead you back to Kid Nation. 
Good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. Those Kid Nation things are always exciting because you're never quite sure how it's going to land or what's going to happen. You remember that show, Kids Say the Darndest Things, right? Well, when you put them up on a pole, you're really hoping the kids don't do the darndest things. But nobody got hurt. We're good. Um, And this morning, as I've said a couple of times already, we're going to be starting a new sermon series and we're picking up in John chapter 14. So if you open your Bibles to John chapter 14, if you're using one of the story Bibles, and we've got a couple sitting around here, um, if you'd like to use one, it's on page 746. Here's a couple if you guys want to. And I'm going to need one too. John chapter 14, 726, excuse me, 746, yes ma'am, you've got it, Miss Jones got me. John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, stop. Let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. What is going on? We don't know. Let's pause for a minute and let's pray together. Jesus, we're grateful for you and we're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for your word and for this time that we have set aside to meet you in it. Lord, we pray that you would give us clarity of thought, that you'd help us to understand what it is you're saying with our minds. But Lord, beyond that, we pray that you would give us hearts that are open to receive what it is that you're teaching. God, help us to understand with our minds, but help us to also understand with our hearts the care that you have for us and the way that you want to walk alongside us, even when it's scary. We're grateful for our time this morning. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, in verse 1, doesn't it feel like we're kind of jumping into the middle of a story? (laughs) Let not your hearts be troubled. Well, I didn't even know that I was supposed to have a troubled heart. If you're starting in John chapter 14, right? Well, what's happened is months and months and months ago, we started in John chapter 1 and we started walking through. And all the way through from John chapter 1 to John chapter 12, he's telling the story of Jesus. How Jesus came on the scene, how Jesus starts healing people, how Jesus is teaching things. And he's going really, really fast. He's moving through the life of Jesus. And then it's almost like John in chapter 13 hits the brakes where he's taken 12 chapters to cover three years, the next four chapters, the next five chapters, he's going to cover one night. One night, four chapters, when he's given three years, 12 chapters. So he's slowing everything down. And it's like he's saying, y'all pay attention. I need you to understand what's about to happen. So what has happened up to this point? Well, Jesus is gone, and he's found some dudes, and he's pouring his life into them. We call them disciples. Um, and he's, he's going along with him. And then in John chapter 13, he's, he sits everybody down for a Passover meal and says, look, something's getting ready to change. Things are going to be different. And you remember what he does in John chapter 13 at the Last Supper, the Passover meal? He does something really, really weird. Do you guys remember what it was? He washes their feet. This is the teacher. This is the rabbi. This is like the big guy on campus who's cleaning the toilets. 
It's like the president of whatever, you know, Harvard Seminary, whatever, cleaning the toilets. The lowliest of the lowly job, and he just does it without any warning. And he says, y'all do this for each other. Whoever thinks they're greater has to serve everybody else. And he's going to spend the next few chapters talking with them and explaining what he means by this. Because he's given this big picture, and now he's going to say, this is for you to do too. So he starts in John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Well, because they're in the middle of the balance beam, and he's saying, I'm, I'm leaving now. They followed him for three years. They left their jobs. They left their families. And they followed this guy all around the country. Everywhere he went, they went with him. And now he's saying, I'm gone. And it's not going to make sense to you guys, but it will make sense to you later. <laughs> so they're on the middle of the balance beam going, what do you mean you're leaving? And in fact, if you look in the paragraph before John chapter 14, the last paragraph in John 13, Peter says, hey, Jesus, where are you going? And he says, you can't follow me. You can't follow me yet, but you will at some point. Which for these guys, that just doesn't make any sense. So he starts John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so as we go through the chapter this morning, we're going to come to understand that in our distress, we must actively believe Jesus. Which is going to come off initially as really insensitive. Right? In our distress, there's more for us to do. God, I'm freaking out over here. Things are falling apart. I'm on the middle of the balance beam. I can't see anything. I don't know what you're doing. You brought me to this point, and now you're going to leave. And now you're saying, I have to believe you actively? I've got to do more stuff in my distress? It seems insensitive. But if you hang with me, we'll see the balance of what Jesus is trying to do. There's some parts that are going to feel really, really lovey-dovey. And those can make us feel good, but there's also some parts that are going to seem really insensitive. And the only way it's going to make sense is if we put it in the context of Jesus. He's the only one that can walk that line faithfully. So in this first section, we must trust that Jesus can because of who he is. We must trust that Jesus can because of who he is. We've seen this in this first section that Jesus can prepare our future. He's saying, look... My dad's got a big apartment building. There's lots of rooms in there. They're not finished yet. I'm going to go fix that up for you. And you know how to get there. What do you mean? <laughs> Wait a second. I love Thomas. Because Thomas is like, really? 
I know how to get there. I don't even know where you're going. And Jesus said, I can prepare your future. I, my God, my father has this big, big house, and I'm going to fix up some rooms for you guys so that you can come and be with me when I go. But it's because he's the way, right? What's his response to Thomas? He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You already know how to get there. Thomas like, I don't know where you're going. How do I know how to get there? He says, you know me. If you've met me, you've met the way to get to the Father. I am the way. And there isn't another one. And there's a lot that we could say about that. There's a lot of that that's insensitive. There's a lot of that that's uncomfortable. There's a lot of that that a lot of people in the world are going to scoff at and be like, yeah, right, I know nine different ways, at least, to get to God. But Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to go fix up some spot for you guys so you can hang out with me. And the way you're going to get there is by following me there. Which is crazy, because he just said, y'all can't come yet. (laughs) He just said that to Peter in chapter 13. But Jesus can prepare our future because he is the way. So Thomas has had his bit. He's been the guy to ask the questions. Let's see what Philip has to say in in verse 8. John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? I can hear his voice cracking here, can't you? Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. See, Jesus says here, he can prove the Father. You're sitting here this morning, you're listening to me and you're saying, Michael, (laughs) I get I get that you're passionate about this. I get that you care about what the Bible says, but I don't even know about God. Like, that whole concept doesn't really make sense to me. And Jesus here says, I can prove it. Now, when we say prove, we want something that's ironclad, something that there aren't any rocks in it. But, but here's the thing. The way that Jesus prepares our future is because he is the way. The way to God is a person. And the proof of God is his representative. He can prove his father because he's his father's instrument. What what does that mean? What's an instrument that you guys use? I use the guitar. That's not a good idea. That's That's not a good image. What's a tool that you've used in the last couple of weeks? I used a saw. I made some shelves. It was a lot of fun. Right? So if I, if I had brought in my saw this morning and I had set it up here, um, I'd be like, hey, look, here's my saw. I built some shelves with this this morning, right? And you'd be like, or not this morning, this last couple of weeks, built some shelves. You'd be like, cool, nice saw, Michael. And I'd be like, the saw proves that I can build some shelves. Well, no, it doesn't. 
It's just a saw. It's just sitting there. But if you saw me holding the saw with it plugged in and revved up and cutting shelves, would you say that that saw proves that I can use it? And it proves that I'm legit. So Jesus is saying, I can prove the Father because I'm his instrument. You have seen God use me. You've seen him do super chemical experiments, changing water into wine. You've seen him heal people. You've seen him speak a word and people be healed miles and miles away. You've seen him raise people from the dead. Look, if Jesus doesn't prove the Father, what do we do? And I think that this is fascinating in verse 11, chapter 14, verse 11. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. He says, look, if you don't trust me, it's been three years I've been walking with you. If you don't trust me yet, you've at least seen some really cool stuff. If you don't trust me and my person and my character, then at the very least, trust that God has used me to do really cool stuff in the world. Now for us this morning, that's, that's a little bit of a leap, right? Because we haven't walked with Jesus. We haven't spent three years with him. We weren't there when he fed 4,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and fish, right? We weren't there. We haven't seen it. But I suspect that if you spend some time thinking about it, you can think about the places where God has come alongside you and walked with you carefully. You can think about those times that you were on the brink of self-destruction. And God had somebody there to pull you back. God had somebody there to walk with you through whatever it was that you were going through. And so if you don't trust me, believe in the works themselves. Jesus demonstrated him over and over, and Jesus can prove the Father because he's the Father's instrument. And he continues, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So, Here's really, really the heart of the issue. When it all comes down to why we got up this morning, when it all comes down to why you started coming to church at all, this is the question that we wanted to answer. The reason why people all over the world turn to religion is this. What can I get out of it? Because we're inherently selfish beings all the way back from the beginning. Jesus says, I can provide what you ask. What are you looking for? I can provide it. I can prepare your future. I can prove the Father. And I can provide what you ask because I'm God. Think about this. Verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Where is he going to be? He just said it. Y'all can't follow me because I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going to the Father. 
He said it in the verse right before. I'm going to the Father, and I'm not going to be with you anymore. But if you ask me anything in my name, I'm going to do it. If you pray to Jesus, he will do it. If Jesus isn't God here, he's crazy. He has lost his mind. Right? John, if I said to you, all right, look, I'm going to die. I'm leaving, and you can't follow me, John. But when I'm gone, if you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it. It doesn't make sense. You think I've lost my mind. I'm delusional. I've gone crazy. But Jesus here says, look, I can provide what you ask because I'm God. I'm going to die. I'm leaving. You can't follow me. But if you ask me to do something in my name, I'll do it. I'll be there. So we must trust that Jesus can because of who he is. He's the way. He's the Father's instrument. He's God. Which is fine. Those are nice church words. This is a Sunday morning. We're here to read the Bible. Those are theological concepts. Building a house in heaven. And all of these things are nice, right? But we have to trust that Jesus cares because of who he sends. Here's here's the crux of it. There's a lot of gods, quote-unquote gods. There's a lot of descriptions of God where God has a lot of power. God can do a lot of things. God can answer a lot of prayers. But Jesus is the representation of a God who cares. Let's read it together. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because... Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus cares about our life. Did you, did, did you see that? Yet in a little while the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. So I'm going to the Father. It's going to look like I died, and he didn't die. And and God raises him from the, the dead. And he says, because I live. What's the significance of Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life? What's the point for us in our selfish Perspective? Because I live, you will live also. Jesus cares about our life because he sends a forever helper. 
Do you see that too? He says, look, I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to say, hey, Father, I left those guys in the middle of the balance beam. And I told them that I was going to send somebody else, and so will you, Father, send somebody to help them out? Will you send them a helper? And how does he describe the helper here? I will send you another helper to be with you forever. That's not an all-powerful God sitting up on his throne saying, Worship me. Give me all the accolades. That's a God who comes down, who takes your hand, and who walks you partway through and says, It's my time to go now. And I'm going to send somebody else who's going to take you to the end to be with you forever. I will not leave you as orphans. There have been times in all of our lives, but I'm sure if I, as I say this, you'll think of the specific time in your life where you just felt abandoned. You felt orphaned. The people that were supposed to care about me the most have left me alone now. The people who have walked with me, the people who have the greatest responsibility for me have failed. They brought me out here and now they left me hanging. And what do I do? Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to abandon you. It's going to look like it. But I will come to you. In a little while, the world won't see me, but you'll see me because I live. You also live. He cares about our life. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, who, he who it is who loves me. Let's continue on in verse 22. We've got another question coming up. Judas, and this isn't Judas Iscariot. This is a different Judas. Judas Iscariot already left. He's actually not sitting with these guys. So Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear from me is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am with you, while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus cares about our instruction. He cares about the way that we think. It's one of the reasons why we started this morning praying that God would help us to understand with our minds what it is that God is teaching here. Jesus cares about our instruction. He cares about the way that we think through things. And how do we know this? Because he sends a teacher. If I'm going to send somebody to you, And I send you a PhD in education, a guy who has studied how to teach, who knows how to teach, who's fully equipped to teach. If I send that guy to you and say, hey, I'd like for you to spend time with this guy, what does that tell you about my intentions for you? I want you to learn something, right? 
So Jesus cares about our instruction. He cares about how we see the world. He cares about how we think because he sends us a teacher. And what's fascinating to me is that he sends a teacher to remind him of the stuff that he's already said. Because this is Jesus being real frank and honest. I've been talking to you for a long time. It's hard to pay attention to me. I've been talking to you for three years. You haven't understood most of it. You're not getting it now. So I'm going to send somebody who's going to remind you of all the stuff that I said. In the same way that I am speaking the words that the Father has given me, in the same way that I'm an instrument for God by what I say, the Holy Spirit will come and be an instrument for Jesus and what he has said and what he has spoken. We read that in, in, in Hebrews chapter 1. In these last days, God has spoken through his Son. And the Spirit reminds us of the words that he said. Let's pick up one more, one more time in verse 27. Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let me just pause right there. I want, I want to continue, but just pause right there. Can you imagine? Everybody in the room is, is, is really upset. The leader has said, I'm leaving. And he sits down and starts talking through all this stuff, talking about this apartment building that he's going to go fix up, talking about, I'm going to send somebody else to take care of you. Jesus is probably the only person in the room that has his wits about him. Everybody else is freaking out. What do you mean you're leaving? What do you mean that you're going to manifest yourself to us and, and not other people? What do you mean that we actually already know the way to where we're going? This is my peace. I leave with you. He's the only one in the room that's completely calm. Peace I give to you. My peace. The peace that I've got right now in the midst of everything going on, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Jesus cares about our doubt. Confessing Jesus as Lord, saying, look, I don't know a ton about Jesus. I don't know what this life is. But the things that he's done in my life, the people that he's brought into my life, like, I have some faith in that. And I think I want to follow Jesus. And when you take that step, that is huge. That's a big step, and it's really, 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 really an exciting thing. But it's not the end of the struggle. 
It doesn't mean that things are completely ironed out for the rest of your life. And as you walk through, it's just squared away. There's times where you're walking along and you're like, Jesus, I thought you said you were going to be with me. I thought you said you weren't going to leave me as an orphan. Because it certainly feels like you've left me behind. Jesus knows that there's times that we have to wrestle with our doubt. And there's no, well, there's a place for our relationship with Jesus to wrestle with doubt. He's not scared of the things that we're not sure about. And we know that he cares about our doubt because he gives us what we need beforehand. What's he saying? He's saying, look, you guys don't get this. I've been talking to you for the whole chapter, and it's, it's really confusing because what you don't know is that I'm getting ready to be killed, but then in three days I'm going to raise again, and I'm going to be with you for 40 days, and then I'm going to send the Spirit to come and help you, and then you guys are going to go and change the world. But y'all can't see any of that. You just know that you've been walking with me for three years, and I'm telling you I'm going to leave, and then I'm going to send somebody else, and, I can't, and you guys can't go with me, but you're going to come with me later? You're just saying, I get it. I'm telling you a bunch of stuff. Why am I telling you all this stuff? Because it's going to happen. And when it happens, I want you to believe. We, we trust that Jesus cares because of who he sends. We trust that Jesus can. Jesus can deliver on all these promises because of who he is. So here's one more aspect that I want you to think about. This is written down. You know who's sitting at this table right now? John. So, let's, let's hypothesize for a second. If this happened, and John was sitting at the table, and everything, all the major promises that Jesus, that Jesus gave, if they didn't happen, and I'm John, it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't change my life, and I don't write anything down. Because it's expensive to write stuff down. It costs money to write stuff down. And then other people are going to keep it. Like, think about this. If, if none of this actually happened, if Jesus didn't keep his promises that he's making here, and John's sitting in the room going, man, that's a lot of stuff that you're promising. You're claiming to be God. And I just walk away. So he, he's telling them all this. And why does John write it down later? Because it happened. He took the time and the effort to write something down. It cost him a lot. And he did it. Why? Because it happened. (laughs) He says, my peace, I'll leave with you. And through everything that's going on, everything that's about to happen... John's getting ready to watch some of Jesus' best friends walk out and leave him and abandon him. And at the other end of the side, the other side of all of this, John's going to sit back and go, Jesus left his peace with me. I had peace. He promised me that. And it happened. And he wrote it down so that we can talk about it this morning. So he gives us what we need beforehand. 
So here's, here's the point, not the point, but here's something that we need to ask. Because a lot of that can just make us feel really, really good and we can go home thinking, okay, we did a church thing and I felt good about God loving me and taking care of me and things like that. What does he ask of us? In verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. This is, I think, the point of it. In our distress, in our dark times, in the moments where we're losing our balance and they feel like there's nobody there, are you going to believe in God? And here's the other thing. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's hard to do. If your heart is troubled, if you're concerned about something, it's really hard to control that emotion. But Jesus says, don't let it happen. My peace I leave with you. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He says, believe in me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. There's this crazy unity thing going on where Jesus is the physical representation of God Almighty, creator of the universe, on earth, sitting down and having a meal with these guys. What's fascinating, and I didn't bring this up, but this is, this is crazy. God is sitting at the table with these people, right? God is sitting down, and they're even willing to say that he's God. But he says, why, why haven't you, why, how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not everybody else? Because if you're God and you're going to show us who you are, then that's going to flip the whole world. Like, everything's going to come apart. Everything is, like, you're God. And Jesus is like, it's not, that's not how it's going to work. So they're sitting with God at the table and they're saying, God, you're not who I expected you to be. And he's saying, are you going to love me? Are you going to believe in me? How many times, I'll just say for myself, there have been so many times that I've come to God going, you are not what I wanted you to be. I came to you for all of these needs that I thought you were going to be able to meet, and you haven't met them in the way that I thought that you would meet them. We come to God and we we have these expectations, and he's like, you don't know me yet. I've got more that I need to do. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I think belief is one of his commandments. You know, let not your hearts be troubled. That's a commandment. He started in chapter 13 with a commandment too. He says, love one another. That's, that's where this started. On his knees, towel wrapped around his waist, washing people's stanky feet, he says, y'all love one another. But if you know the Old Testament, you say, that's not a new commandment. Deuteronomy, it's, it's over and over again. It says, love, love one another, love one another, take care of one another. That's what all of the, of the, the law code is about. It's like, y'all need to you know, deal with one another in a loving way. But what, what, how, what is new about it? He says, love one another as I have loved you. I've given you the example now. I've walked it out with you, and I'm getting ready to show you the fullness of it. You're getting ready to... I've washed your feet. It smelled bad, a little bit embarrassing, big deal. I'm going to literally lay down my life and die for you. Love one another 
as I have loved you. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He says, rise, let us go from here. And in the context, and I think this is important, I think what's getting ready to happen is the next chapter, as he's talking, they're walking. They're walking through the garden. So really what he's saying is, hey, let's get up and walk. But for us this morning, as we've sat down and listened to what Jesus has to say, we've come to a new place, hopefully, of understanding what it is that he's you know, promised for us, who he is, what he wants to do. So my encouragement to you, as we read in this verse, is, hey, let's go from here. We can sit here and say, okay, there's some really cool things that make us feel really good about who Jesus is, and I think I want to follow him. But, but making that decision, getting to that place, <laughs> is fine. It's good, it's necessary, but rise and let us go from here. Let us walk together. We have more to do. We have more to learn. We have more to uncover. I have more to teach you. I'm sending somebody to help you with that. So this morning, what is your heart troubled about? Have people abandoned you? People that you trusted? Has God abandoned you? Is he not acting the way you thought he was going to act? What is Jesus doing in your life? Where you're saying, believe in me that I'm in the Father. I'm his instrument. He's using me. And how have we loved one another? Or how have we failed to love one another? As Jesus has loved us. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you've been helped, encouraged, and challenged by God and His Word today. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to contact us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.